Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, and today we continue our 32 for 32 series with a look at the New York Jets. Hasn't been the uh, kindest last few years, decades, however you want to put it, for the Jets. 2020 wasn't too out of the norm. 0-13 start. Could have gotten a win a little bit earlier, but Greg Williams and his last, uh, I guess, devotion to Adam Case decided to rush Derek Carr last play of the game and gave up a pretty fun Hail Mary to lose that one. Anyway, they did capture a victory over the Rams in week 15, Browns in week 16, just enough to lose the first overall pick, and thus the Juts will not be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But the good news is Adam Gase is gone. Brighter days are ahead. And I have a very special guest to help me break down this upcoming Jets offseason where maybe, just maybe, we'll find some more optimism in the air than I have let on here in the opening intro of this podcast. And that is co-owner of Jets X-Factor content. You can hear him as co-host of the Cool Your Jets podcast, Michael Nania. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Michael underscore nanny up michael thanks for coming on the pod man happy off season oh thanks for having me happy off season indeed it's always the best time of the year to be a writer fan of the jets whatever this is always the most entertaining <laughs> time to be talking about this team it's very true man off season gives us a chance to really sink our teeth into these squads particularly the ones that maybe aren't quite as entertaining as we would like from september to january as we have done for this whole series we'll go through three team needs first then go through a quick gut feel round where i ask michael some workload related questions for 2021 and he'll leave us with an awesome hopefully awesome Gut feel pick laid the drop. There we go. There we go. Uh, without further ado, Michael, let's start us off with your top three team needs heading into the 2021 offseason. Yeah, it, it, it's so hard to pick out a top three because this is a team that has so many needs. It's hard to pick a position that isn't a need to some extent, I guess, other than the interior D line, probably even safety, just because Marcus May is a free, a free agent. But Interior D-line probably locked in. Other than that, any other position you could upgrade to an extent. But the top three needs, I think you'd have to start with quarterback number one. I think it is definitely time to move on from Sam Darnold. He had a major downturn this past season uh, that really evaporated a lot of the hope he showed the first two seasons, in which he you know, showed a lot of promise and intrigue, even within bad circumstances. But this past season, it was just there was nothing at all you could look at to be optimistic about even with all the excuses there he just did, did not show you anything even when the protection was clean receivers were open he was blowing good opportunities much more often than he was the first two seasons so I think quarterback is number one and then you got to look at the position in front of him the offensive line Mackay Becton franchise left tackle you're set there Decent at right tackle with George Fan, I think, might be able to stick with him. At center, Connor McGovern, a question mark, but he's a talented guy. But the guard spots, I think that is a position where they have to improve. There are good targets in free agency. They have plenty of cap space to go after Joe Tooney, Brandon Scherf. But those two guard spots were huge. The, the two positions that were huge weaknesses, without a doubt. So quarterback, guard, and then on the defensive side of the ball, a weakness for a very long time are the edge spots. The Jets have not had anything on the edge for a very long time it, it would be hard to even pick a season where they've had a top 30 or so edge rusher over the past decade plus it's it's been very bad so that's a position where they need a lot of help especially in a robert solid defense where 
he really relied on those edge rushers to create pressure, especially in their best season a couple years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. It was all about relying on Bosa and Armstead to create that pressure so they don't have to blitz that much. They could have more guys back in coverage. Very important to have guys who can win on the edge in any defense, obviously, <laughs> but especially in this one. And the Jets do not have anything there, have not for a long time. So top three have got to be for me. Quarterback, guard, and edge. But there are so many. There's, again, other than interior D-line, anywhere you can upgrade but those are the top three for me top three team needs offense defense and special teams uh behind that but uh yeah no with the edge man in particular it's like they aren't even you know they better try now because they have not put any sort of resources into this position really over the past several years nobody has fewer 2021 dollars devoted to the edge position than the jets and really their pressure wasn't that bad last year they were 10th in pressure rate but it was because that was like the one thing other than stopping the run they were consistently trying to do this defense blitzed at the sixth highest rate to create that pressure rate and i think we saw that hey when the pressure got there okay sometimes things worked out but when it did it that's when really things became a major issue bottom 10 defense and yards per attempt explosive pass play rate and qb rating allowed when signal callers were kept clean i mean you know we can argue about you know what's more important the coverage of the pass rush and as we've talked about with this team particularly with marcus may arguably best player on the defense being a free agent you got to address both spots but it does seem like just again based on their lack of being able to get any sort of pressure without blitzing probably should address the line of scrimmage before we look too deep into the secondary. Yeah, exactly. And the secondary is a huge need too, especially the cornerback position. Yeah. Bryce Hall looks like a potential future starter, fifth round pick last year, played well near the end of the season, but opposite him, pretty much nothing. Bless Austin uh, got his chance last season, had a, a good solid rookie season, but did not deliver on that promise last season. So the cornerback spot opposite Hall Huge need in the slot. Brian Poole's been great, but he's a free agent as well. So there are huge needs in the secondary as well, but it definitely starts in the front. I think much more so it's about creating pressure to make the secondary's job easier than the other way around. And that can be debated, but at least that's how I see it, especially in this defense. So I think it definitely starts up front. And like you said, the Jets have created this edge problem themselves because they just haven't tried. It's not as if they should expect anything more than what they've gotten because they haven't spent first round picks, even second round picks on the position. When they did spend a third rounder on Ja'Kai Polite, that didn't go too well a couple of years uh, in 2019. Uh, and they haven't spent on it in free agency either. So it's, they haven't even tried and it's way overdue for them to uh, they've got that Seattle pick in the late first round. They've got the first pick of the second round, plenty of cap space and a lot of good edge rushers on the market. So it's definitely time for them to finally invest in that position. What's happen? Injuries happen. At least try, guys, please. In the secondary, <laughs> it really is similar, though, at least in the extent of in recent years. I know they've you know drafted Jamal Adams. They've spent resources on the secondary before and all that, whether or not they stayed there or not. But now, again, looking ahead to 2021 dollars, I mean, they only have $8.4 million to both the cornerback and the safety rooms. Hopefully, that means they have some sort of plans to re-sign Marcus May, who is PFF's fourth highest overall grade safety among 99 qualified players. Do you see Marcus May being back there next year i mean they gotta pay someone at some point yeah I, I do see him being back whether i think the biggest question is whether they will extend or extend him to a long-term deal this offseason because the franchise tag is definitely in play they have no one else even think about using it on uh, and the 11 million dollars you can re or tag him that presumably will be the cost if you use that makes a lot of sense give him another year in this defense see if he fits in it and then revisit it next season uh, so i do think if they don't come to terms with him on ex an extension that they'll definitely use that franchise tag 
uh, for him. So th- I, that makes a lot of sense, but I definitely see him back. It's hard to, even if, you know, cause you have a new coaching staff to evaluate him, even if they don't see him as the best fit, there's, it's just hard to see a better way to use the money that you would allocate to him uh, because they just have so much cap space. Yeah. It's not as if you're gaining much by letting him go anyway. And he is, like you said, probably their best player. So it, it does make sense. I think that I, I would guess he'll, he'll be franchise tagged, but they'll definitely talk extension. Yeah, I mean, I see the Jaguars trying to, you know, let every single good player leave, but I think the Jets maybe just might have a slightly different uh, course of action there in the front office. We will see. That's enough with the defense. I want to quickly talk about uh, Donner a little before we move on to our gut feel round. I mean, Watching these Jets games, man, over the past two years, and unfortunately I have seen every single one, I feel like Darnold, like once or twice, not anymore, but once or twice a game will make a fantastic throw, usually off script, and you kind of see why this guy was so highly touted coming out. It just hasn't been anymore, and he had a weird amount of rushing highlights last year, but mm-hmm. I agree with what you said. Like I was, you know, coming out of 2018, 2019, I still had a little bit of optimism for Donald moving forward, but after last year, man, it's tough to really find anything. Do you really think that he's broke and his, you know, just NFL career is probably going to be as a low end starter and or, a you know, average backup or could someone save him? That's not named Adam Gase because he still is only 23 years old. And I know right. we're going to be talking about his age now for the next decade saying he's still only, you know, this or that. But basically, is Sam Donald broke or can he still live up to something resembling what we were hoping for? Yeah, I definitely think he can be fixed to an extent. I guess the big question is, can he be a top 10 quarterback that, you know, the Jets thought they were getting when they traded everything they traded to go up and get him, uh, or at least the chance to get him or one of those other guys. Can he be that? That's a big question because you just being realistic, comparing him, you know, take out anything in terms of him individually, but just compare him to all the guys in league history who have started the way he has over their first three seasons, 30 or so starts, however you want to slice it those guys just have not panned out at a good rate at all. There are very few guys who have started out as unproductive as he has and gone on to be successful. So realistically, it probably makes sense to expect him to be a guy who, you know, he's going to be in the league. He'll, he might have a good season here or there, maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick sort of career where he peaks later, has his good season sort of bounces around as a backup. That's probably the baseline you'd expect, but in the right situation, I think, Almost, in, especially in today's NFL, where it's getting more and more quarterback friendly, things are opening up. It's becoming passing happy, and you see guys like Ryan Tannehill and uh, just a lot of guys break out later in their careers. He definitely can be a solid starter, but can he be franchise quarterback? I think based on what he's he's shown us so far, there are a lot of huge things he needs to clean up that he just might not be able to. That could hold him back from being a true franchise quarterback. But can he be a decent journeyman? Maybe find a spot where he can be a good average starter. I think he definitely could, but he's going to need a fresh start and a new coaching staff to do that. I think definitely needs to get out of New York and just find a place to restart. And then from a Jets perspective, you know, having the ability to reset the rookie court, uh, rookie quarterback contract um, with that number two pick, being able to just get a new face in with the new coaching staff because the New York market, it's, it's just tough to have, you know, if you're going to implement a new rookie quarterback and then also have Darnold there, it's just a lot of drama that is not going to fly in this market. That can make it tough to really implement your new culture, new coaching staff. That's a big part of it as well. And also you have his fifth year option coming up. So there's the contracts, a big part of it as well. But in terms of his chances, yeah, I could definitely see him being decent to good somewhere else if he lands in the right spot. But does he have superstar potential based on what he's shown us so far? It, that might be a stretch at this point. 
I think that's fair. We definitely, if you have not already, yeah, reduce the hell out of that ceiling and probably the floor as well at this point. But uh, it's not, not it doesn't mean he can't be an average QB at some point. I need to refresh this article, but I did do a study a couple of years ago looking at the first round QBs that didn't work out and just how did they go in their new landing spot, change of scenery, you know, get them out of where they were in a better situation. Very rarely does it work out. Usually if you're a great quarterback, you're going to kind of shine above, uh, you know, just the pieces that you have. And honestly, man, like seeing Joe Flacco have that couple game stretch where he was really throwing the rock around like Mims, Perryman, even Crowder, like the guys were making plays. That was almost the most damning thing for me with Darnold. Cause like, it's always been one of these tough situations. Like, yeah, Donald sucks, but so does everything around him. We did see Flacco, you know, kind of bring some of those, uh, you know, quote unquote scrubs, not, not hate on those receivers at all, but perceived scrubs to much higher, uh, you know, status than Donald was able to get. So best of luck in the future, Donald, but I'm with you. I did not see those brighter days being with the Jets. Want to move on now to our Guffield round. Again, everybody, we are recording this on February 15th, so Michael cannot predict the future, but we're going to ask him to try his hardest as things stand right now. First up, I want to talk about this new offense. we got Michael LaFleur as a new offensive coordinator. The guy's only 33 years old. He was basically an intern with Kyle Shanahan in Washington in 2014. Ever since then, he's just followed Kyle Shanahan around his career. Most recently was the passing game coordinator with the 49ers do you expect this LaFleur offense to essentially be you know Shanahan 2.0 and because of that should we be really freaking excited about it yeah I, I think based on everything we've heard it, uh, at least from him so far and just the rumblings around it that it, it will be very similar to that I think we'll definitely see some adapting to what the Jets have because you know any good coaching staff that's what you do you want to try to have a good blend of implementing what you do, your own philosophy, but also sort of molding it to the personnel you have. So I think we'll definitely see some of that, especially Robert Sala. I think that is one of the biggest uh, appeals of bringing him in is he was really adaptive uh, with the 49ers in terms of what he did with that defense came in and the defense that he left in 2020 was much different than the one he ran in 2017. He really did a good job of adapting to what they had like this past season, they were blitzing a lot more because they had those injuries. So to bring it back to LaFleur, I think that's just sort of the Robert Sala is really going to establish a culture of adapting and just making sure that there is a good marriage between, you know, doing what you do as a coach, but also making sure it works for the people that you have, which is really something that Adam Gase did absolutely none of, <laughs> which, you know, to Sam Darnold has a lot of weaknesses that have nothing to do with Gase, but Gase did not do a good job of building an offense for Sam Darnold. So that is a fair thing that we can say to Darnold's credit. And I don't think that's going to be a problem here. Whoever the quarterback is, I think they're going to mold to it pretty well, but I do think it is going to be a Shanahan sort of offense, a lot of outside zone running, which should suit this offensive line pretty well. McGovern at center is a great reach blocker. Becton, we know about his athleticism. George Fant should be a better fit in this run game than he was last season. And then at quarterback, you should see a lot of play action. And for Zach Wilson, that's a fit that seems like it would be really good if they go with him. Um, and definitely, I definitely think it's going to look a lot like what we saw in San Francisco, but with a good um, it'll be interesting to see because we've never seen him and even an offensive coordinator role before he's only been that passing game coordinator. So we'll see how he puts his own personal touch on it, but it should have a heavy Shanahan flavor. 
Yeah, it's always tough, you know, with these with these coaches and offenses because we do need to try to figure out, hey, are they going to adjust their scheme that has, you know, gotten them to great heights, gotten them offensive coordinator and head coaching jobs in the NFL, or are they going to do what's probably a little better and change that to reflect the player personnel? Good to hear that LaFleur should hopefully be more on the latter side. And yeah, you brought up Zach Wilson, is that, and that is who PFF has going to the Jets right now in our draft guide, comping him as a more creative Baker Mayfield. I have not gotten in the lab just yet on Zach Wilson, but I am excited for uh you know potentially whatever the hell that means and uh seeing him in that potential shanahan scheme i want to look at the run game now because you brought up again outside zone and hopefully they address the offensive line more i actually thought they did a good job last offseason of throwing a lot of resources at the offensive line to your to your point they hit on some of the tackles so hopefully they fell out the guards and then we're actually talking about a pretty good run blocking unit now the question is in fantasy football land what can we make of this because frank gore you know inconvenient truth freaking taking 15 20 touches a week from us last year <laughs> trying to figure out you know michael pirine josh adams ty johnson all these guys flash at different points i don't want to hate on frank Gore because the guy at his age still doing this like he's a legend i get it and that's great but we just couldn't ever find a three down back after Le'Veon bell left and obviously his uh tenure was disappointing as well we're gonna take a quick break to pay some bills pff and sunday night football's chris collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field 49ers all pro cornerback richard sherman the chris collinsworth podcast featuring richard sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast they'll provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too additionally chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football mark your calendars you do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Virginia, call 888-532-3500. Do you think any of these guys from last year, again, P. Ryan Adams, Ty Johnson, hell, even Gore resigning, are any of these guys going to be a factor this year, or do you see them pretty much going to free agency or draft to try to find a running back? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because you you can definitely consider, like, like if this were a, t- a complete team that had a lot of positions filled, then you would look at running back as a top need, maybe take running back in the late first round, second round, spend on a guy like Aaron Jones. But this being a Jets team that doesn't have a pass rush, doesn't have a secondary, doesn't have an O-line, there are so many other things they have to address before that. So even though running back, they do have one of the least inspiring running back rooms in the league, it's just going to have to hit the back burner with so many other more important things to address. So I think you definitely could see a very similar room to last season. I, I wouldn't expect Frank Gore to be back, but Michael P. Ryan's obviously still going to be here. Ty Johnson's under contract. Josh Adams is a restricted free agent who played, and particularly Johnson and Adams, those two guys were really efficient when they played. Johnson, 4.7 yards per carry. Adams, 5.9. So they were good, very good when they played. Limited sample. P. Ryan played a little bit more than them wasn't quite as efficient, but I, I do think you are, you are going to see a committee, a committee mostly made up of those three guys. They could bring someone else in, maybe a Jamal Williams, uh, one of those lower price free agents. Kyle Juszczyk might even come in, who's not big in the run game, but he gets plenty of targets. Uh, so with that LaFleur style connection, this being an offense that could use a guy like that, maybe Juszczyk comes in. Uh, so I could see one of those lower tier running back free agents added into the mix, maybe a day three pick, 
I don't see a big investment at this position. Again, it, it would be different if they didn't have so many other needs, then it would definitely make sense for them to look a little bit bigger. But I do, they have a couple young guys under contract, bringing back Adams makes sense. Uh, and there are good options in free agency in the lower tier. So I would expect to see probably those three guys, Piron Johnson and Adams, plus another free agent, maybe another running back thrown in there for little competition. Then you have sort of a committee look throughout the season. So I don't see, I think it's definitely going to be another year where, uh, well, Frank Gore was the guy, unfortunately, for the most part last season. But this year, uh, I think it's definitely going to be uh, a, a sort of group where you're not going to know who that guy is until someone takes it in during the season. So I expect a lot of names to be in that mix. It reminds me almost one for one of the Dolphins last year where we kept, you know, citing these free agents or high draft picks to the team. What happens? They trade like a fifth round pick for Matt Breida and they sign Jordan Howard. And then week one happens and Miles Gaskin is randomly the number one back yeah. out of the group. So, yeah, no rhyme or reason to this Jets backfield. Going to your head out of this group, would you pick? I, I know it's not confidently, but would you pick Ty? It sounds like you kind of like Ty Johnson a little more than Piran. I would I would go with Ty Johnson. I would just gun to my head. That would be my choice because I just think he looked the best out of the guys last year. Adams on a per play basis, probably better, but he just didn't really play that much. He only had 29 carries Johnson 54. Um, so I, I guess I'd go Johnson. Pirine wasn't really that impressive when he played last year, probably the, definitely the least of those three. Uh, so I guess I'd go with Johnson, but they should all have an equal shot, especially because Pirine is a, a Douglas draft pick. Yeah, and the thing with Ty Johnson, we saw it in Detroit as well when he was there briefly. I mean, this guy, he can catch the ball, and that's kind of what they've been using him for. I know P. Ryan was drafted for that, but you always got to wonder with these guys, as we've seen with my boy Duke Johnson now for a half decade, sometimes a guy, whether they are, whether they could be a three-down back or not, like who, we will never know if the coach doesn't give him that chance. We do wonder if P. Ryan is that way, and Josh Adams has the receiving issues, so Ty Johnson might just be the one guy in this backfield who they trust to have the every-down role. He did have the 22-carry game against the Raiders last year and obviously was very involved in the passing game as well if you're in those best ball drafts everybody here in February and March and you see Ty Johnson sitting there you know around 20 or so might just be you know the 2021 version of Miles Gaskin as you know random as that would be so so like situation we will keep our eye on throughout the offseason want to talk about this passing game and then we will get on out of here uh ESPN's Rich uh, Semini hopefully I'm pronouncing that right reports Jameson Crowder could be a cap casualty Interesting, uh, you know, thing to come up here last couple of days. And he actually had a good note where he said Kendrick Bourne's familiarity with the offense could make sense as a cheaper uh, replacement option if Juju Smith-Schuster or Chris Goblin or someone bigger aren't re-signed. Obviously, Brashad Perryman's a free agent. Denzel Mims looks like he's coming in as potentially the number one wide receiver. But what do you make of this wide receiver room? Because there's talent, particularly if these guys come back. But all of a sudden, if Crowder and Perryman are out of town, I mean, it could just be the Denzel Mims show as early as 2021. Yeah, personally, I'm a huge fan of Jameson Crowder. He has the seventh most slot receiving yards over the past two seasons. And, and just looking at him this season, he started the season really hot. He had those 300-yard games, then quieted down a little bit after that. But there, were, there was this game, uh, just to exemplify some of the impact Darnold had on the receivers' production this season, there was this game against the Broncos, his second game this year, where he had seven catches for 104 yards. But you look at the film and there, he should have had a lot more than that. Darnold missed him, I think, five or six times for plays where he's just wide open and should have had a first down. And Darnold either, you know, missed actually missed the throw was inaccurate or just simply didn't see him or attempt the throw. So there, there were a lot of games this season where Crowder was sort of quiet on the stat sheet, but was open enough to produce more than he did. 
and Darnold was just missing open receivers left and right the season. It was odd to watch. He was not close to this bad the first two seasons. He showed a lot of promise, had a lot of really intriguing games the first two years. This year, he was just leaving receivers hanging all year, and it was tough to watch. And I think Crowder is a big victim of it, but he still put up really solid numbers, um, 58 yards a game. That was his career high. So I, I like Crowder quite a bit. I don't personally don't think that cutting him for, uh, I believe, the $10 million about in savings would be worth it. I'm not sure they would replicate that because I really do think he's a top five to 10 slot guy Um, because his production is in that range. And then you watch him and consider the quarterbacks he's played with and he should have more production than he has gotten. So I like Crowder, but they definitely could make that move and go with a more familiar guy in Bourne. Look at the draft that has a lot of really good slot, potential slot weapons. Um, so I could see them going that route. It wouldn't be my preference, but it could happen. And then Mims is an interesting case. So talented, great contested catch guy. Did, an, another victim of Darnold, I think. There are a lot of plays on tape where he was wide open. Darnold didn't hit him. Gase didn't use him well. There were a lot of plays late in the season where he's just a decoy, you know, clearing out for a screen pass, um, the lead blocker in a screen, a screen pass. He's a great blocker. Obviously doesn't help his fantasy value, though. Right. <laughs> um, so... There were, he, he's a really talented, talented guy, but it'll be interesting to see how he fits in this LaFleur offense, which isn't really known for featuring guys like that, uh, which is more about crossing routes, speedy guys, separation guys over the middle is more of what we saw uh, with the Niners the past few years. So it will be interesting to see his fit there, but I think he's talented enough to, uh, to really make an impact no matter what. And then beyond that, you have so many big names in free agency. Do they go after an Allen Robinson, a Galladay? Um, a Will Fuller, a Juju. Well, I don't know if Juju's actually, you know, he's as big of a name, not as yeah. good of a, a player. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether, how they approach that. Are they going to try to go cheaper there, act like, you know, or believe that they can fit any of these talented draft prospects into their scheme, or are they going to go for a big name there? Curtis Samuel would be a huge Ooh. one for this offense. Um, just his ability to, the versatile playmaking ability that he has as a rusher, screen guy, deep receiver. He really did it all last season. He would be great for this offense, I think. So I could definitely see that pursuit. But uh, Crowder and Mims is a nice duo to build around, I think. And they really just need to get one more guy in there. And I think this can be a, a very good receiver trio to work around. Yeah, you could put Curtis Samuel on any NFL team, and I'm giving that move an immediate A-plus, no questions asked. He can do everything. Running back, wide receiver, alpha wide receiver, complimentary. Ask Curtis Samuel to do it, and he will get it done. And, yeah, man, running back room, wide receiver room. Like, we have, you know, potential avenues, but it's just kind of a little too, uh, you know, too much going on in the future to really be too confident about now, which is why people, one of the most important spots to watch throughout the draft, throughout free agency will be this offense because, Hey, you know, if LaFleur can even be, you know, 60% of what Shanahan is in San Francisco, we're going to see some easy, you know, yards being created. Nobody has averaged more yards per attempt on passes thrown behind the line of scrimmage than Jimmy Garoppolo over the past three seasons. Again, if you can bring even a little bit of that guys that we might not expect to have these big time fantasy roles might just have it based on volume alone with the jets. Last thing i'd be remiss if i did not talk about my guy chris herndon who i hyped up on this podcast all summer long before last year and i'm not giving up i'm i did not see anything in 2020 on field that made me think chris herndon is bad at football drop here drop there okay but it was one of those things where even though he was a full-time tight end he was staying in the block more than pretty much anyone in the league and hey man if you only want to take the final two weeks of the season he actually had some pretty good numbers you know i'm a little tongue-in-cheek here i get it he was a bust but as someone that i spent a lot of time on over the past a year i don't want to give up on him just yet do you think herndon still has a chance to make it with the jets could we get a kittle-esque workload or am i talking too much out of my ass and i gotta give up on this guy 
Oh, I, I was just like you. I was such a big Herndon fan coming into this season and last season. Obviously, he was hurt a lot, but he showed so much as a rookie. I really thought he's going to blossom into that top 10 type guy. It was very odd to watch this season. It was extremely Space Jam-esque as if all the talent was just sucked out of him because <laughs> oh. he just could not catch the ball. He uh, had a couple of fumbles. It, it, he just could not hold on to the ball. But like you said, I believe he led tight ends and pass blocking snaps. If not, he was very close to the yeah. top. So that definitely hurt his value a little bit. Um, he was sharing some time with Ryan Griffin, Daniel Brown, which didn't make a lot of sense because those guys aren't good. Um, so I, it, it'll be interesting. I think wide receiver will be a big part of it, how big they go there. Because, um, you know, if you get an Allen Robinson and if you then draft someone and you have all these guys, then there's a lot of targets that will be going to that position. But if the Niners the past few seasons are any indication, then this will be an offense that focuses a lot more on the backfield and the tight ends, which is, you know, the Niners weren't, and part of it is the talent because they didn't really have guys who warranted those targets. Um, but it was an offense that was built around George Kittle. Again, check was really involved. They got a lot of targets to their running backs, whether it was McKinnon, Mostert, Coleman. Um, so if, if they do do that, then Herndon could see a huge uptick in targets. But we'll see what they do at wide receiver and the other positions. But uh, I, I would still keep an eye on Chris Herndon. He didn't look this good this season in, ter- uh, in terms of just holding on to the ball, which is kind of important. But the athleticism, I mean, we still saw a lot of flashes of that, especially later in the season. Uh, he had uh, some really athletic catches uh, against the Chargers and the Patriots in particular. He had some good touchdown grabs. Um, so the pure skill is there. I just don't know what happened mentally this past season, but maybe he is the next post gaze breakout uh, superstar. There we go, man. That's what we are hoping for. And yeah, look, people like Herndon, I get it. it it's, you know, he's, it's an uphill battle. Running backs, wide receivers, a lot of uncertainty going on. But in past years with this, with this Jets offense, whenever we wanted to invest with these guys, we always had to have the caveat that it's like, okay, you know, do we really want anyone involved in the Adam Gase offense? Now it might actually be probably not in year one. Is it going to be a great offense by any stretch, but we could be looking at an average offense that can enable at least, you know, one or two fancy relevant guys. And they're all still being priced like they were in the Adam Gase offense. So guys like Herndon, Ty Johnson, uh, Denzel Mims, you see them at the end of those fantasy drafts. Do not be afraid to take a shot because we are looking at legit starters that if they were in a more, you know, just established average above average offense, their ADPs would be that much higher. And because they are not, not might just be a discount so embrace the uncertainty that is going after the jets michael do you have a bold offseason need for us before you get out of here i think kicker is a bold offseason oh, need for this team we don't Kick- talk about them on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding go ahead well half kidding but go all right so <laughs> kicker is a big need for this team they were very bad the season with sergio casillo and sam ficken but all right too much enough of the kickers i will i, I will definitely give you something better than that I will go with as a bold offseason need. I'm going to look at linebacker. I'm going to look at linebacker next to CJ Mosley. Mosley should come back and be good. He's still under 30 and he should be fresh. You can at least say that for him. But next to him, they definitely need some help. Neville Hewitt's a free agent. I don't think he's very good, especially in coverage. And you need speedy coverage linebackers in this defense with Salah. So they, they definitely need a lot of help at inside linebacker as well. Like I said, everything on this team that isn't interior D line, the jets are going to be in the mix. 
man, you want to talk about an impressive 114 snaps. That's what CJ Mosley has brought to the Jets over the past <laughs> two seasons, man. Seriously, though, that, that was wild how in that, like, you know, that one Bills game, how good that defense did look for about three quarters before he got hurt, unfortunately. Hopefully he comes oh, yeah. back. It, it was an absolute thrill. He's he's still probably the best Jets linebacker of the past decade. <laughs> Just based off of that alone. Great stuff. All right, man, that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you check out Michael on Twitter, at Michael underscore Nania. You can also hear him on the Cool Your Jets podcast. Michael, what else you got on the horizon for the offseason? Yeah, we have a lot of great stuff coming, covering the the free agents, doing a lot of free agent profiles, looking at their stats and film. Um, I, I've done rankings, actually, of every single uh, position in free agency, best to worst, every single qualified guy um, at wide receiver, cornerback safety, pretty much everything just ranking them based on a huge combination of a bunch of their stats. Um, a lot of film breakdowns, especially on Darnold. Throughout the season, I actually graded every single one of his plays to compare all of his games and his progress versus the first couple seasons. I uh, did that in 2019 as well to compare against that. So a ton of film and number stuff always coming at Jets X Factor. It's by far the best place for both analytics and film surrounding the Jets. Jets X Factor, everyone. Again, Michael's on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. And hey, people, when you have someone as devoted to a team like Michael and company, make sure you get pay attention. There's a lot of people focusing on these other sports and stuff this time in February, or God forbid, you know, catching up with their family or something. We're still here. <laughs> We're still talking football. We're getting ready for next year. So he's Michael. I'm me, and this has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 